The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf, and co-host, Keith Campagna. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, and to everyone who's a, a member of Googleization Nation. Uh, we continue to hope that you and your teams and your families are safe, staying healthy and uh, doing everything you can to practice social distancing as we sort of we're trying to reopen. Uh, we're entering the ninth week of the pandemic, at least from how WHO, World Health Organization, defined it. And uh, and if you're living in the U.S., obviously, if you've been overseas, it might have been a few weeks or months before that. Uh, but this is a, a really defining moment. And just this morning, I read something from Tom Peters, um, a couple things. Uh, some of you, uh, hopefully everybody's familiar with Tom Peters, um, but uh, the In Search of Excellence, uh, which is what uh, his claim to fame it was a book that came out. Uh, I had no I couldn't have told you that it came out 38 years ago. Uh, (laughs) Unfortunately, I'm old enough to remember when it came out and reading it and was in the workforce. Uh, But it's, uh, yes, 38 years since In Search of Excellence. And uh, Tom has made, uh, I I act like I know him personally, Uh, Tom has made a, uh, his his whole career has been in helping uh, this pursuit of excellence. I mean, and and his one regret is, he says, after 38 years, and reaching millions and millions of people and working and coaching and consulting with, you know, hundreds and probably thousands of leaders. He says, we're still in the search of excellence. Uh, and, you know, the, but he had a quote this morning that I read, and I thought this was just fitting and a perfect setup uh, for our guest today, which is Julie Ann Sullivan. Uh, Julie Ann and I met uh, a couple of weeks ago, months ago at this point, time flies by. Uh, She has a a book called The Catalyst of Change, an outstanding book. She interviewed, uh, she'll she'll correct me on this, but I believe it was like 60 some leaders. Uh, She narrowed it down to 14, put it into a book. These are the conversations uh, from very, very successful leaders and how important culture was to them. But Tom's quote was, this is the defining moment of your career. And, and I think that could go for both leaders and uh, as well as individuals. But this is the defining moment of your career. You will not be remembered by the contours of your balance sheet. You will be remembered by the way you supported people. And that is just coming through crystal clear. Uh, we see it. We're, we, we see it with uh, companies uh, that are, are, are you know, struggling but doing well. And we see companies that are doing well, but they've got horrible leadership, which is a concern what's going to happen afterwards. Uh, we see it in politics, uh, in government, in business, 
um, you know, in nonprofits. We, we see it everywhere. So, uh, again, I think that was just profound in the conversation we're going to have. And that's what Julianne's book is about, uh, The Catalyst of Change. So we're going to get to uh, Julianne shortly. Uh, he also talked about he also had a second quote that I, I posted on LinkedIn. Uh, many of you might have seen it yesterday. Uh, and it says community now more than ever. Organizations are in and of themselves communities. Never forget that. And I, again, I think that's what you're seeing is is people, you know, we've we've had 35 million people that have lost their jobs and, and probably a lot more than that. Some people are, are still have jobs because of uh, the PPP and so forth. Um, but we, we expect that number is probably going to go up a bit. Um, but they they've still there are are cultures and there are there are leaders and there are people that have treated their employees like they belong to a community, like they are part of family. It's not just a buzzword that, oh, we're like a big, happy family here. Uh, they've truly reached out and done that. And others have uh, failed. <laughs> it's it's an epic fail. So we're going to have a lot to talk about. Uh, Julianne has certainly got, uh, you know, she, she's uh, done her homework on this. She's passionate about it. And I uh, can't wait to hear from her. Uh, before we get there, I want to talk, thank uh, Zor.ai. That's X-O-R.ai uh, uh, and Success Performance Solutions for helping us be on the air and sponsoring Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Uh, if you haven't joined yet, I hope you go to googleizationnation.com. It's our free community. And we're focused on the future of work and humanizing work. Um, that's, uh, that's an important part uh, of, of making sure that we don't lose sight of the people uh, at work and also uh, utilizing technology to help do that. Uh, Keith, um, again, you, you must have had a busy week. Haven't heard from you a whole lot. Uh, sort of miss, miss our lunches and, and get-togethers, but how are you doing? I'm doing really well, dude. Um, good to be here. It, it's incredible. I'm seeing, you know, I feel like I'm like a, the from the field reporter, although there really isn't a field anymore as it relates to some of the, you know, I'm talking to so many different sales organizations now. I'm starting to see more and more, I'm starting to have more and more conversations where companies are saying, okay, we're ready to start making buying decisions. And I talk to sales leaders and, and, you know, uh, executives sitting there that deal with the revenue forecasting. And it, it, it kind of, feel, it definitely feels left less uncertain, or maybe what I'm seeing a lot of, uh, Ira, is that people have kind of moved past the uncertainty point, and now they're starting to reassess. And, you know, it's, it's just a wild ride. It's been a wild ride. And, uh, you know, I know that there's so many people that are dealing with significant challenges right now. Um, you know, I think that as the next couple of weeks unfold, we're going to be in a position where we'll, we we might be able to turn this thing around if we do it the the right way, the smart way. But it's it's I'm having an incredible time. I really yeah, am. I, and I miss you. And by the way, for those of you listening, we are starting the application process for sponsors for the next year coming up. Uh, I can't believe it's already May. Uh, October is not going to be that far away. Yeah, not for sure. And and you know, again, if you if you have something that you need to promote now, you know, let us know. I mean, we can work some. We definitely can work something out. Uh, so uh, let me go back to your uncertainty, and and I'll love to. It'll be I'll be excited to hear um, Julianne's perspective on this as well. Uh, I I don't well I don't think it's less uncertain. I think it's as uncertain as it's ever been. 
Um, but I think that's the new normal. And, and I think what, uh, you know, from what you said is, uh, and I've seen this as well, that uh, both individuals, but also managers, you know, people, um, business owners are starting, starting to accept that this is the new normal. You know, it's at VUCA. It's volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity. This is with us uh, for a long time. It's going to be with us well beyond when even if there's a vaccine that comes out and and it eradicates the COVID-19, the uncertainty and the complexity and ambiguity is is here. It's here to stay. So I think a, a lot of people have are learning to adapt to that, um, hopefully becoming more uncomfortable, more comfortable with uncertainty um, and, uh, you know, being a little bit more agile and adaptable and all the things we talked about for a long time. But there really oh, yeah. need to do it. You know? and, yep. and just for and I know we again, I don't want to make light because I know there's there's companies out there that are suffering, uh, especially hospitality and entertainment. Um, you know, so there, there's some real dire situations. But uh, just this morning, I had three new client leads come in. Yeah. Um, and I've said this before. I've shared it a, a dozens of times. Is As bad as it is, there are companies that are hiring. And even if they're not hiring, they're anticipating hiring. So they're, I, I think, you know, Keith, wait, I'll dovetail what you said. I'm not sure if that people are, are comfortable or, or that there's less uncertainty. I think people are becoming optimistic that they can th- thrive in an age of uncertainty. And, yeah. um, yeah, you know, I, it, and again, but uh, there, there's no there's no reason that people would be hiring, promoting, anticipating that they're going to hire, looking for ways to bring back people better if they didn't think it was going to work. Um, crazy. I mean, I got a call from a hospitality company. They had 1,300 people employed two months ago. They now have 200. And, you know, the conversation was, we're going to bring people back. We don't know how fast. We don't know how many. And we don't know if we'll be back to 1,300 at the end of the year. But we will be back. And therefore, they're looking yeah. to improve their process. And I think, and that's what you're seeing as well. So it's before fantastic. We, it's yeah, optimistic so, at best, right? Yeah. So, you know, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to just keep delivering bad news because for whether you're an employer, whether you're a business owner, whether you're a leader, whether you're a job seeker, um, there is there is hope out there and, and hang in there and hopefully we'll be able to provide you some uh, some, you know, guidance and suggestions along with uh, other resources. So uh, before we bring Julianne, um, just want to let you know that today's show is live. Uh, if you have questions, you can call us at 561-623-9429. That's 561-623-9429. Uh, if you um, if you have a question, uh, you can also you know want to call us. Post it in the chat. Just go to w4cy.com, click on the chat button, send it to us, and Rebel will get it over to us. Uh, and you can also uh, keep in touch with Keith and me on LinkedIn. So, um, time to introduce our guest, uh, Julie Ann Sullivan. Uh, she's got a book. Can't show it to you because we're on radio, uh, but she's got a book, Catalyst of Culture. How Visionary Leaders Activate the Employee Experience. And when I talked to Julie and last, we were talking about uh, how important employee experience and now it's so much more important. So welcome to Geek Skeezers and Googleization, Julianne. Hey, thanks very much. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. Yeah, it, it's a pleasure. So I, I know you commented right away on um, the, the one quote from Tom Peters, that this is the defining moment 
uh, of their careers. Uh, and, you know, and leaders will be remembered by the way they supported their people. You are in, con- you know, you're in contact, contact with, with different people. You, you've, uh, was I right? You interviewed 60 some people for your book. Yeah, over 60 C-suite leaders who already created and sustained award-winning cultures. I talked to one of them last week. He's a VP of um, talent acquisition for GM. He got a great big promotion right after we did a podcast. <laughs> wow. Hey, wait, did he get a, hopefully did he we're all getting promotions after the, after yeah, that's the right. talk to you yeah, today. Right. That that's right? all you got to do. That's in Call the five five five. No. <laughs> so, so that should have been an interesting conversation. Um, so GM, obviously, they're well. They were shut down now, and then they were supposed to be making ventilators, not automobiles. Uh, what's you know what's going on there? I mean, what what have they done? What did you learn from from him? You know, Ashley Wynette is one of the greatest people I've ever talked to. He was in Australia when I first talked to him. Now he's over here in the states. Um, But not only there, uh, most organizations that I talk to that have great cultures that understand what that means, they are communicating more than ever. And some of their communication has nothing to do about the business. It has to do about their people. What you were talking about, humanizing work and creating community that's what these companies are doing, and they're doing that by communicating more often and having some of those communications being about the people in the workforce, not what's happening in the business. Uh, so it's not a report every day. Oh, today, you know, we right. had to furlough more people. Oh, today, bad news. Oh, by the way, here's more bad news. Some of those communications are, how are you? What so, is going on in your life? What do you need to succeed today? So how are, how are they? I mean, and again, you know, I I had used um, tools like Slack before, right? But I, I but I know there's a lot of those on there now. So what are what are a lot of these companies doing? I mean, how are they getting the communication out? Because we've had a few people uh, on you know that I've interviewed both the live stream and on the Geek Skeezers and Googleization uh, that specialized in communication, and it wasn't very good before. Uh, but they seem to be, you know, there's many companies that seem to be taking advantage of that. So, how, you know, in addition to that message of how are you and connecting with the employees, um, how are they getting those out and 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 what do they look like? And, and, you know, I guess the third part of that is how could a small company, I mean, you know, having GM do it is one thing. But I, I know we have a lot of small businesses on uh, small business owners and managers and they go, well, we're not GM. Um, so. Kind of three parts there. You know, what's going out and how are they doing it? And how does that relate to a small business? Well, honestly, for a small business, it's almost easier than somebody like a GM, right? Because they have so many people and uh, so many leaders that have to take different teams because you can't all do it from the top. So a small company, it's really easier. It can be done through phone calls. It can be done through Skype or Zoom or Teams or Google Meets. There's so many different ways to do that right now for not a lot of cost, right? Right. A lot of them are free. A lot of them are free. 
And so there's there's a lot of different ways. You know, if you don't have Slack, if you don't have your own, you could even make your own private group on Facebook for your mm-hmm. teams. Right. There's there's a multitude of ways to do it. So being a small company, it's easier. They have no excuse as far as I'm concerned. So that's number one. I don't really want to let them off the hook. It's no, I, harder. I'm, glad, you, I, I'm glad you're hard on it because I say it all the time. Because uh, again, we even talk with about like it all the time. yeah, even with like pre-employment testing, the first thing people will call up is that hey, I just want to let you know we're a small company. Oh, okay. No. So then it's so, easier. <laughs> right, right. But it's like oh, so if you're a small company, I should charge you less, or you you get a <laughs> default. You really you don't even need, you don't need hiring tests. I mean, you don't need to screen your employees. You're small. Why would you need to do that? That's only for big companies. Yeah. Why do you need good <laughs> talent when you have less people? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know those people too. Anyway, so that's one way to do it. Uh, when one idea that I had and have created is I've been running these focus huddles for teams. Uh, I do them from my heart. I don't charge for them. They're, they're not a sales pitch. There is no call to action at the end. And they're just a half hour. I've been going in with different types of teams and basically just talking about what short-term goals they can have for long-term success for themselves, for their colleagues, for their community, for their company, just really focusing on that. And uh, so companies are doing that or companies are bringing a meditation person on or they're bringing a yoga person on or they're bringing someone on that talks about how important it is to get out of your debt, you know, get up from your desk because actually people are sitting at their desks more than they used to because um, they don't have an office to walk around if, you know, they did that in the beginning. They are coming up with ideas and they're asking, they're engaging, what do you want? What would be interesting to you for us to do next week? Right. And getting ideas, that's a great way to engage. And having these small meetings, these check-ins, I just did a focus huddle for Universal Studios Hollywood a few weeks ago, and they have a huddle at lunch every day. Sometimes they have no agenda at all. They're just touching base. Or sometimes they get together, and I remember when my son was um, in Boy Scouts, they used to talk about a rose and a thorn. What's going right? What isn't going right? And how can we help? I have a million ideas in my head, but those are just a couple of them. And basically what it is, is focusing on what you call humanizing work, which is truly caring about people. And here's another side to that. There are some people out there thinking, well, there's going to be so many people who want to go come back to work. I don't need to worry about my culture. But for the people who had to furlough people, you want those people back. They know your company. They know what you need. That makes culture important. And although there may be a plethora of people who need work, the more specific talent you need, not only in a, when we get to the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, there are going to be less people. The employee 
e-pool has been shrinking for years for many different reasons. Now it's going to shrink even more for places where you need specific kinds of talent because many of those people have decided I'm going to be my own entrepreneur and they have the time to do it. So to think there's going to be plenty of people, I disagree. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Keith. Yeah, thanks, dude. Um, So prior to all of this happening, a common theme that would come up with our guests almost on a weekly basis was this idea that HR isn't prepared for something like what just happened. In other words, digital transformation, employee development. We have not, prior to COVID-19, we hadn't seen any real shift. And we often joked at HR's expense about how the shift was going to hit their plan one day. And here we are. I'm dying to know, from your perspective, you're talking to the elite of the elites. You're talking to the forward thinkers, the thought leaders. Are the, or Do you see enough companies taking advantage of this, or would you side on the uh, on on the the message that it's not going the people the, the HR world is not going to on its own merit take care of this I think in the last 5 years especially we have seen HR go from merely compliance right that's where their seat was doing all the compliance work and people have slowly come over to oh, okay, HR has a lot more to do than that. And we need to get them involved. And you started bigger companies start to have chief people officers, right? That separated HR from culture. Um, It's just slowly been moving in that direction. You know, you're always, I mean, look what's happening in our world now. We have, you know, I, I feel sometimes like we're playing tug of war, right? And you have people on both sides pulling as hard as possible. So the people who are never big believers in culture are going to utilize this time to say, hey, there's going to be plenty of people. I don't care. Let me give you an example, Keith. Somebody asked me the other day, I'm talking to a company and they don't care if they have 80% turnover. How can I get them to think that they need culture. And what I told that consultant was run as fast as you can. (laughs) Because people, that's where they're going to be, right? Until it hurts them. This experience will hurt some companies and move them into, oh my gosh, I'm so unprepared. I need to gather it all together and start being prepared. Now, I talk to companies and I say, well, you know, you can't just all of a sudden throw out an employee engagement survey <laughs> and you you can't all of a sudden communicate like you've never communicated before and expect everybody to engage. You have to move slow like you always would in the beginning. But some people will be really uh, struck to make that change or to find, and they they find new ways to continue that because culture is a living organism. It's always changing. Somebody who has a great culture doesn't sit on that. They constantly change it. But they had, they were ahead of the game when this hit because they're already creative and they're already used to changing and chaos. 
Um, you know, you talked about thriving in the age of, ins- of uncertainty, Ira. That was a comment you made. People are really going to understand now in businesses, they better always be prepared for uncertainty. Change is inevitable. And we had this pandemic. There'll be people who are going to walk away and say, this will never happen in another hundred years. I don't have to worry about it. And then there'll be another camp of people that say, whew, if this happened once, it can happen twice because we live in that kind of world, right? It didn't happen for a hundred years, but the way we travel and move around, it's totally different. So to say it's never going to happen in another hundred years, I think is kind of short-sighted. Um, and, and the pandemic, and just by history, may not. I mean, I, I think it. My my guess is that it won't be another hundred years. But you know, there's. Uh, it, it happened in 1720. I mean, it, it's odd. 1720, 1820, 1920, and now 2020. There's been a pandemic. Um, so it. So you know, the people can write that off and say we're good for another hundred years. But we talked about this situation happening because of technology disruption. Uh, and the predictions were out there. So there will be, I, I 100% agree with you, there will be something that will disrupt uh, normal. You know, normal I, business. I, I, yeah, I, I wrote last week about, you know, and, and I, I stole it from one of our guests a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, and, you know, it was about that normal died and wrote the obituary to normal. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, and every, everybody wants normal to come back. Everybody misses them. It's never going to be the same. Yeah, I mean, every, everybody remembers normal. We wish he was here. Um, it's not. I mean, it, it, it's gone. And But uh, that doesn't mean that there's not a new normal, because every time there's been a disruption, there has been a new normal. Absolutely. And, and I heard somebody yesterday, uh, uh, one of the summits I was on, and they said, you know, th- you have to go back to, like, uh, 1918, when they had the pandemic, the Spanish flu, and a million people died. And look at what happened after that. And you had the Roaring Twenties, which was followed by the Depression. And so hopefully we can learn from our mistakes and have the Roaring Twenties again, uh, but not go into the Depression, you know, uh, the next time. So there are, but it's going to, something's going to happen that's going to rattle our cages. And it seems to happen a lot more frequently. You have been listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. We are here with Julie Ann Sullivan, and we're talking all about culture. Uh, And uh, we're going to get a little bit to her book, because in her new book, she talks about four attributes that leaders have that create a winning workplace, a thriving workplace. So we will be back shortly. Uh, Right now, we're going to hear from Zor.ai and Success Performance Solutions. So stay tuned. We'll be back very shortly. Hi everyone, this is Ira Wolf, author of Recruiting in the Age of Googleization. I'm excited to announce that my online course, Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter, is open for business. This course is the culmination of a two-year-long project and releases recruiting tips I've learned after hundreds of hours of research, speaking with thousands of conference attendees, and interviews with dozens of experts. It's all available to you in Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter. To receive more information or get started, visit our website at www.successperformancesolutions.com and click on the tab, Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter. Imagine how your company would grow if your candidate experience earned a 99% approval rating. Well, to get to 99%, you need the three best letters in recruitment technology, 
XOR. Zor's text bots, chat bots, and audio bots increased IKEA's candidate conversion rate 455%. Zor decreases candidate drop-off rates, improves your candidate experience, and collects analytics for future strategies. To learn more, check out Zor.ai. That's XOR.ai. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. I'm your host, Ivor Wolf. I'm here with Keith Compagna and our guest, Julie Ann Sullivan, uh, author of Catalyst of Culture. Got that right. Um, Julie, let, let's, I want to make sure we cover this. So let's just dive in here. One of the things that, and, and you didn't write this book, by the way, perfect timing, but you didn't write this book for a pandemic. You didn't write it for <laughs> all the disruption you were having. Uh, you didn't have that magic crystal ball that said, I know in March of 2020, uh, we're going to have this crisis and part of it's going to be a crisis of leadership. So I'm going to interview all these people and publish this book right at the right time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So you you had four attributes uh, and these are probably more even more critical now because people uh, were really at that that tipping point. We're really at that edge where where companies are going to have to make it or break. They're going to have to do it or die. Um, you, you learned from interview, from these 60 plus interviews. And then, uh, I believe it was 14 that were in the book, um, four attributes. Let, let's talk about those. What, what did you learn that these people had in common? The amazing part of this is that I interviewed people from all kinds of industries they had varied longevity, very long, 80 years, 100 years, six months. They were varied in size. And yet these four attributes were common in each and every person. So here's what they were. The first one was listening, which nobody ever learns as a, as a class unless they took a workshop from me or a few other people. So it was all about listening, leaders listening, really listening, how to set that up and how to truly be an active listener and to teach their people, their workforce, how to be active listeners as well. Because as well as that works with leadership and workforce, It works with the workforce and clients and customers. So listening was key. And I'm a communications freak, and I'm all about listening. It just teaches you so much. People think listening is a bother sometimes, but you can learn so much about yourself and another person if you listen. So that was number one. Number two, and you'll see these all interrelate. You can't have one without the other. The second one was to be open to new ideas Besides your own. Many times I've had leadership say, so-and-so comes in and they complain. And my answer is, well, then have them come up with an idea, a solution. Right? Because then you're saying to somebody, I'm listening to you and I'd like to see how you would solve that. Now, chronic complainers will never come back. Right, because they just want to complain. They don't want to do any work. Other people will come back with ideas which you can listen to and maybe use all of it or some of it. Bill Hageman, who's in the book from Witham Smith and Brown, big accounting firm, they 
every suggestion that comes to them, they acknowledge in one way or another. Great idea. Let's talk more about it. Uh, Great idea. Not sure how that would work. Can we talk about it? This is why we don't think it'll work at this time. But they acknowledge every single one. So imagine how you engage a work fate force by acknowledgement, right? You give people value just in acknowledging. How many companies are there out there that ask for ideas, but they never do anything with them? So that was the second one, open to new ideas. The third one is lifelong learning. And right now with the companies who are really, truly caring about their workforce, they're including this lifelong learning. And it doesn't have to be about the business, uh, Evan Hackle, who's not in the book, um, he what he does is he pays his people a certain amount of money every year to go out and learn whatever they want. It could be a new app for the business. It could be something that relates to the business, but it could be knitting. And then he asks them to come back and teach anyone else who's interested in the company. So there, that engages in a multitude of ways. So lifelong learning is really important. If you're in leadership and you're not reading, listening to podcasts, you know, going to summits, continuing to expand your own brain, how can you expect your people to? Uh, It's the same, you know, (laughs) as it is in families, right? If a parent is swearing, you can't expect your kid not to swear. (laughs) So... Uh, It's like that. And the last one, which is super important right now, is creating safe environments. And that is not only physically, but it's emotionally. And getting to know your workforce by communicating with them often and making them feel like they can say, my mom just came down with COVID. She's in the hospital. I really can't get anything done today. That is my focus. And having them be okay with that and know that you're not going to say, well, that's too bad. You've got to get this project done as opposed to, okay, let's call up John and Sally and see if they can cover for you so you can have the time and you don't have to worry about this. So a safe environment is as important now as it's ever been, as you can see all these are. So those are the four, listening, open to new ideas, lifelong learning and creating safe environment. And every single one of these people who have great cultures have these elements as fundamentals uh, when they bring the culture into the fabric of their workplace. So there, there's a, like a million thoughts going through my head, so I'll, I'll try to <laughs> siphon them out here. Um, we, when you started with active listening, uh, we had, uh, I don't think it was on the show, on this show, I think it was on my live stream. Um, but, and, and I've heard this for years. I mean, you know, because I've always pursued leadership and, and it's always come up, but it sort of was like one of those to do things, one of those things. And you try to be a better listener. But what, what struck me was you said that very few people, and you know, really ever take an active, a listening course. Uh, and I can't remember the percentage. Um, you may know what it is. Is like 2% of the population has ever participated in some type of listening course. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, and, I mean, it's something it's we like do. like anything have. else. People need to be, people yeah. can't be assumed to know things. That was a problem when the millennials came into the workplace. There were all these assumptions. They should know this. They should know this. They should know this. No. Um, 
They were told uh, not to ask. They were told not to. It's just, yeah. Well, it was, I said, listen, just, yeah, just memorize what I said. You don't really have to <laughs> listen, you know, just, just remember what I said, but don't ask questions, which goes yeah. into curiosity. So, but, and the reason that I brought that up was, um, are, are you familiar with an Oscar Tromboli? Does that name ring a bell at all? No. He's, he's Australian. Um, you, you two definitely need to connect. I'll connect to you two. Oh, uh, Oscar Chimbrola, he, he, he published, um, and it's an interesting book. It's actually a deck of cards. It's a card deck. Um, it looks, and his focus is deep listening. That's the name of it. It's called deep listening. Awesome. He is, this is, he devotes his life. He is so passionate about active listening. Um, I, I interviewed him and then it was almost, <laughs> I was humbled, you know, by it because afterwards we debriefed and I learned more in that 45 to 50 minute conversation with him about listening. Um, he, he's quite remarkable. So I, I'd highly recommend anybody that was at, in a, any of our listeners, uh, and I will connect you, Julianne, with him. Oh, um, thanks. he's a super, super guy. You'll, you'll love the conversation. Um, the other one that came up is each of these, as we went down the line was, and I know this is a mutual friend, Diane Hamilton, um, open to new ideas, curiosity. I mean, oh my gosh, yeah. if, if you're not curious, then you better be right now. Because well, if you're you have not to, curious I, about yeah. new ideas, you're going to be dead in the water. Well, well the cur- I I mean, wanna, curiosity, uh, though, when you think about when somebody says, what's one skill? If, I, if, if you told me now I'm going to take this time and I'm going to learn one new skill, it would be becoming how to become more curious if you're not. Because just asking questions doesn't mean you're – I mean, it's part of being curious. But curious is also about the learning. But when you talk about listening, you, if you're not curious, you're not going to really listen. You may hear what the other person says, but you're really not going to listen to them. If you're if you're not open, if you're not curious, you're not open to new ideas. If you're not curious, you're not going to be motivated to learn. Um, it's it's the driving force of that, and it and it probably fits into the safe environment as well um, to figure out how do we create a safe environment. Um, you know, under all these circumstances with, with all the fear. And, and I want to ask you about that because I, I, I think that's super critical right now. The, we, we hear so much about the reopening work, but there's a lack of confidence that people are going to be able to return to work. Uh, there's a fear. Uh, and so I, I guess what are some of the suggestions? I mean, how, what are some of the things that leaders can do to allow employees and customers when they walk through their doors of their building to feel more comfortable, um, uh, you know, in, in that type of environment, um, because a lot of people are failing at that right now, miserably. I think it comes back to communication. The businesses that have been communicating not only with their workforce, but with their customers and clients and being able to be authentic and say the words, I don't know. I think that's really, really important. You know, I save myself from being fearful every day and I turn that into curious. I'm curious as to what October is going to look like, which to me is five years in COVID time. Nobody knows what that's going to look like. There's a lot of thoughts going out there, but nobody Mm -hmm. really knows. 
I think it's so important, the words that we use, getting back to being a communications freak. And I will tell you, probably 80% of the work I do in executive and leadership coaching is in communication. Just the words we use. So when people come back to work, when you start planning for that, when you start opening your doors, this communication and the ability to say, this is what we're doing now. Not this is going to be there forever, I, I because we don't know we don't have a right. we don't have a handle on this. So we need to be honest with people, so that we don't get stuck with our foot in our mouth. So and here's luckily, a, okay. I'm sorry. No, you you keep going. I was just going to say, luckily, vulnerability has become the new sexy word for leadership. And I always think it's important for people to be able to say, I don't know. That is at least honest. So one of the things that I'm struggling with, and, and here's the example. And again, when I'm listening to the to the news and some of the struggles, and again, I'm obviously highly curious because I do this for a living, um, is think about a restaurant. I mean, restaurants are really struggling, and I think this epitomizes the situation. So how do you get, just because you're open, how do you get people to feel comfortable? And the response is, we're going to put up physical barriers. We're going to put up plexiglass. We're going to put up shower curtain. You know, I'm not sure how appetizing it's going to be to be sitting, you know, with a shower curtain around my table. Um, As long as it's not moldy. Yeah. yeah. So so we're going to have the shower curtain or whatever it is, or plexiglass. Um, and you know, and people are coming in, in masks and gloves and, and serving and disposable menus. Okay. Those are all physical things, but there's still this thing. And, and I, my, my wife always said, Hey, if we send it back, I wonder if the kitchen staff will spit in our, (laughs) spit in our food, (laughs) you know, to have it done. Um, there's distrust because that's what you can see, but what happens behind the scenes? Um, one of the questions that came up on a on a, a, a show last night was how are employees are companies now suggesting to their employees not to socialize outside of work? Because if they socialize, then there's a risk that they come in. So b- building this emotionally safe environment is a huge challenge. I don't have the answers for it, and I'm not asking for you an answer, but you know, but communicating that and having that transparency and, and maybe even an admission that we're going to be able to, we're doing the best we can. Um, and you know that that co- consumers and um, employees are, are going to have to trust leadership. Well, there everyone's going to have to trust each other. and and I if I was a restaurant and I was going to open up, even though there's social distancing and only use part of the tables or whatever, um, and, and I've heard they're, you know, they're not going to have like the mustard and, and ketchup on the table or anything like that, there are still going to be a lot of people, me included, that are not going to that restaurant. So you right. better so, keep serving well, the people who don't care what you do, but they're not going to trust the environment. So maybe this is the question that I was trying to get to. What would make you comfortable? What would it take for you to be comfortable to be able to do that? And you know what? I'm going to be really, really honest with you. I don't know the I don't know what that looks like right now. That's my honest answer. I am not going into a restaurant anytime soon, but I can't tell you what will get me there. I really can't. 
But that's a great, I mean, that's an important question for people to be asking. But I don't think, I think people can say something and then it'd be different. I went to Costco the other day and it was in the morning, in the senior hour. And yet when we went into the store, it was very crowded and they did not make people stand apart to get into the store. Everybody had masks on. And I said to the lady next to me who was crowding me, well, I guess we don't have to bunch up to get into the store. That was my polite way of saying, back up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, but, and that's the worrisome. Okay, yeah, and her <laughs> answer was, well, I guess if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Well, I will tell you, I won't go back to Costco. There's another store in town here. I don't like the way people act there. So I I just, uh, you know, didn't want to do that. Somebody just asked me why won't I go to a restaurant if I went to Costco because I was in and out. There's something about staying in an area yeah, over time. And, and you have to eat somehow, right? So. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but, yeah. But I think that just defined it. We're, we're coming up toward the end. But I, I think you just defined it. And it was, it's going to be a great way to kind of send off the conversation. Uh, is is that it was all about culture. I mean, it was that you're not going back to Costco. Um, and again, it wasn't the employee culture, but it was just, you know, how they enforce things or, or that they didn't think it was important uh, to have that social, in, enforce that social distancing outside, even with their customers. Um, and, so that, and two and that months re- from now, I may think that's okay, but it just made right. me uncomfortable today, in right. that moment. Right. But uh, again, but people, I don't think, um, you know, businesses aren't going to be able to afford um, to, to have too many lapses like this. Uh, the, the bar got raised really far. Julie, I, you and I, Julianne, you and I can talk about this forever. And I know Keith yeah. has probably a million questions that we didn't allow him to ask. Uh, so he'll, he'll be following up afterwards. Um, you got Catalyst of Culture out there. How can people get the book? How can people get a hold of you? Catalyst of Culture is on Amazon. So just jump on there and look for Catalyst of Culture, and you'll see uh, it's easy to find. Uh, my website is my name, Julianne Sullivan. You can reach me at Julianne at JulianneSullivan.com. If you had a question and it didn't get answered, email me. Get me through LinkedIn, uh, and I'm happy to respond to you. I respond to every request that I have, and um, I just want everyone... Here's my word. I'm going to end with this. My word is grace. We all need more grace for ourselves and all the people around us. Everyone is doing what's be- what they feel is best for them. And as long as they don't infringe on me, I want to have grace for them. I don't know if the people who are going out without masks in crowded places, I don't want them to prove me right by getting ill. So we just have to have grace that everyone's doing what's good for them. Like I said, as long as they don't sneeze in my face, I'm cool. <laughs> uh, good, great message to, to send off. So again, I appreciate it very much. Uh, we'll definitely be in touch both personally, but hopefully we'll be able to do an update uh, down the road in a few months, uh, see how things are going, because I know you've got the uh, the ear from uh, you got the voice of a lot of people in your uh, a lot of great leaders in your ear. So congratulations and uh, stay you. safe. Stay safe. Thank you so much for yes, this thank opportunity. Thank you so much. Have a great time. Enjoy the the, the Berg and be safe out there. <laughs> I sure will, Keith. All right, bye, Julianne. Yeah.
So, so can I, I tell you, dude? I, I mean, I I know I say this time and time again, but I can't help but feel things are going to be a lot better because of it. You know, think of all like we used to talk about how out of a hundred HR practitioners, maybe five of them are going to make change happen, and now now you know it's like you don't have a choice. You have to start doing things differently. You have to have grace. I mean, we're talking about grace. We're talking about uh, compassion. We're talking about life work integration principles, right? Let's hope that this trend, when we when we find out what the new normal is, and we'll probably find out what the new normal is right around the time when that that ends. But at least when we get there, hopefully, you know, I, I'm thinking it's going to be a better place. What do you think? Well. I well, one is I hope so for sure. Um, and again, I, I don't think it's going to end. I mean, even with the vaccine, let's uh, just think about this. And again, we don't have a whole lot of time here. Uh, but only even for the flu, only sixty percent of the people get a vaccine. And for the uh, uh, for the uh, what's it the HP H one N one yeah no not the H one N one it was the cancer. There's a vaccine for a cancer. Um, mm-hmm. HPV, HPV, HPV. I know it with an H. Yeah, the HPV. Um, only fifty percent of the population. There's a cure for cancer, and only fifty percent of the people got vaccinated. So, yeah. you know, the vac- vaccination is going to be a step in the right direction, but it's not going to be a cure. So, this isn't going away, and then there'll be another crisis. So, uh, people are going to have to definitely get used to uh, living in that age of VUCA. You know, uncertain volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity, and. Uh, and uh, again, Julie's Julianne's message was uh, fantastic. Uh, we got a lot of work to do. So remember, listening, open to new ideas, uh, love it. lifelong learning, and creating a safe environment. Key, key to the future. I love it. Uh, we will, here goes another uh, a week, another episode. Uh, fantastic. You know, when I think about Oscar Trimboli and, uh, you know, we've had so many great guests and Diane Hamilton and, you know, the last few weeks, Declan Murphy, uh, boy, getting a lot of buzz from him last week about the digitization of HR. Uh, yeah. So, so many good people, so many good resources, and I appreciate uh, all the all the guests and all the listeners. Uh, we've got a growing list. I'm watching our 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 listenership climb uh we're getting starting to get some nice reviews and ratings if you haven't rated it uh please go up to uh your favorite podcast or uh you know apple uh, google iheart spotify give us a rating share the news uh this is uh you've been listening to another hour of geek skeezers and googleization um ira wolf i'm here with keith compagna like we are every week wednesdays 1 p.m eastern time on w4cy.com Uh, or catch all the replays on the podcast, as I just mentioned. So until next week, this is Ira Wolf, Keith Capagna. Don't let the shift hit your plans.